on the seventh chapter and read verses 37 through 39, our main scripture text and the text for the message this morning. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And may God bless to our understanding the reading of his holy word. All year long, we are immersing ourselves in the life of Jesus as it comes to us in the Gospel of John. And we have gone through the first five chapters now. I want to skip ahead a little bit this morning to John chapter 7 because it is Pentecost Sunday and we're thinking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, the giving of the Holy Spirit as recorded in Acts chapter 2. And want us to pay attention to John 7 when Jesus, at least for the first time, directly speaks about the Holy Spirit in John, in the Gospel of John. And he gives an invitation. Jesus gives an invitation, and it is this. If anyone is thirsty, let that person come to me and drink. Reminds us very much of Jesus' invitation to that woman at the well when he said to her that whoever drinks the water that he gives will never thirst, and the water Jesus gives will be a spring of water welling up into eternal life. We are thirsty, and people are thirsty today. You know how you can tell? It's very easy to tell. Because of the lack of contentment. Tremendous lack of contentment. Such a quest for more and striving for all the things that really don't bring a deep, lasting satisfaction to our lives. Some people are just dehydrated. You know, one of the things about dehydrated, a person can be dehydrated and they don't even know it. Many lives are dehydrated. They long for God in the deepest places of their being and they don't, they don't even know it. Even religion can't satisfy. In John Updike's novel, the, the writer John Updike in his novel, A Month of Sundays, there's a character that reflects on his experience in church as a youth. And he says this. Churches bore for me the same relation to God that billboards did to Coca-Cola. They promoted thirst without quenching it. You know, theological seminaries where pastors study and train to, to become pastors and get a theological education, they can often be some of the driest places in the world because they are very academic. They're places of study and tend to be very heady. You know, everything's up here. And, you know, paying attention to theological minutiae without really paying attention to the big good news of Jesus Christ. When I was in seminary, I remember one chapel service one morning and a student was preaching and she was preaching on Jesus giving living water and our thirst. And uh, she was an older woman 
happened to be African-American. And uh, I remember her saying uh, in her message, she said, where does one get this water? And then she gave us a moment to reflect. And right there in front of the president of the seminary, in front of the faculty, in front of most of the students, then she said, I would like to find out before I leave Princeton Theological Seminary. I would like us to find out where to get that living water before we leave Mount Olympus Presbyterian Church today. God save us from being a water fountain that doesn't channel the living Holy Spirit water of Christ. What is, what is it to thirst? What is it? To thirst is to be incomplete. It is to know and acknowledge that we want When we're thirsty, we recognize our need. We desire a drink because we need replenishment. And Jesus has something for those who want and are needy. He invites people to himself, to those who feel they're thirsty, meaning they don't feel they're worthy. They don't feel they're qualified. They aren't satisfied with all this world offers. It's just not doing it for them. Another time, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. The full, the self-satisfied will find it very difficult to come to him. Jesus claimed to be the source that can quench thirst that we all carry around. Let the thirsty person come to me, he said, to me. Now, Jesus said this on the last and the great day of the feast. What was this feast and what was the great day? It was during the Feast of Tabernacles, one of the great feasts of the Jews held in Jerusalem every year, which all the Jews within a reasonable area were required to come to, and they would come to worship, to celebrate. And the Feast of Tabernacles celebrated the wandering, and it remembered the wandering of the Israelites in the wilderness and how God provided for them during that time. And one of the things commemorated during the Feast of Tabernacles was when God provided water for Israel as the people wandered in the wilderness. Particularly, God miraculously provided water from the rock for the Israelites. When I was in Burma this past February, we climbed up into some of the hills above Kalimio in Chin State, where the people of this church are from. And you see, water really can come from the rock. We found it there, water from the rock. And uh, it can happen. Well, the Feast of Tabernacles went on for eight days. And for the first seven days, this is what would happen. A priest or a group of priests would take a golden pitcher, pretend this is gold, and they would go outside the temple, outside Jerusalem, to the pool of Siloam. And they would fill that pitcher up with water from the pool of Siloam. They would walk back into Jerusalem through the gate that was called the water gate while people sang the words of Isaiah 12, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And they would come into the temple and they would come to the altar and the priest would pour out that water that day as a symbol. As a symbol of God providing water for his people in the wilderness. Now, on the eighth day, it was different because they would take the golden pitcher and they would march around the temple seven times. And they would go up into the temple by the altar and The water would be poured out, and it was done this time in expectation that someday God would send his anointed Savior, the Messiah. 
And it would be a day of restoration. And it would be a day of God's presence coming to his people. And it was then, on that day, that Jesus made his claim to quench thirst of any who would come to him. What a bold, what an amazing thing to say at that moment. Jesus says that rivers of living water will flow out of that person who comes to him. Just as the scripture says. As the scripture says. The thing is. There is no scripture in the Hebrew scripture that says exactly that. Probably Jesus was giving kind of a general overview of a number of verses that speak of water and the spirit and God's presence among his people, because there are a number of passages in the Old Testament that speak of this. Isaiah has several. For example, in Isaiah 43, the prophet says, God says through the prophet, I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Isaiah 58. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. The prophet Ezekiel was given a vision of the new temple that was to be built in Jerusalem. This was many years before Jesus, before that temple was built. And he's met by a mysterious man, uh, some figure, and he's taken on this tour of the temple and he sees water flowing from underneath the temple coming out of it. Ezekiel walks and first he's ankle deep in this water. And then in his vision, he becomes knee deep in the water. And then he finds himself waist deep in the water. And then he's seeing this river and it's too big for him to cross. He would just be swept away by it. But on either side of the river, now Ezekiel sees trees that are always fruitful because they're being nourished by the water that's coming from the temple of God. It comes from the place where God's presence dwells. There's another vision given to another prophet, Zechariah. And on that vision, he says, on that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem, half to the eastern sea, half to the western sea in summer and in winter. The Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord and his name will be the only name. Joel, who also prophesied about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, said a fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley. And it will be symbolic of the Lord dwelling in Zion, in Jerusalem. You see, water was a sign of God's spirit, of God's presence, and the free gift of himself that he would give to his people. Then there's a beautiful scene at the end of Revelation. John is given a vision, very similar to the vision that Ezekiel had. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Water from the Lamb. John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus said the person who comes to him would have rivers of living water flowing from him. Jesus can provide the water that Scripture promised by God that was of God Because Jesus is God. And there's no better place to find what we most desperately need than in God. A couple of things about that, what Jesus said. First of all, he said, 
that he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. Whom those who believed in him would later receive because the Spirit wasn't yet given. It wasn't that the Spirit didn't exist. It wasn't that the Spirit wasn't around before. It was that the Spirit had not fully been given, had not fully come upon the people. First, Jesus had to be glorified, meaning his cross, his resurrection, which was how God cleared the path for us to be in a right and good relationship and full relationship with him. How does a person drink of the waters of the Spirit? Jesus said, it's simple. By believing. Believe. He didn't say, believe really hard. He didn't say, well, and you have to do a a kind of a special prayer. He didn't say you have to do any kind of spiritual or religious gyrations. We simply believe that he is the Son of God. And he says, and the Spirit flows, begins to flow in your life. Now, remember that in John's gospel, every time you read believe, it really means believing into. That's literally how it reads, believing into. We trust and we lean into the Lord. We commit our full weight, our full lives into his hands, just like we commit our full weight in a seat when we sit down. It isn't just intellectual. Believing is putting our lives in Christ's hands and committing our full weight there. And when we do this, he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives them to us because the Spirit's a gift. That's what Peter said on Pentecost Sunday, Acts chapter 2. He says, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The reason the Spirit is a gift is that God has done all the work, and he provides him for us. We give gifts to those we love and approve of, don't we? Isn't that who we give gifts to? God offered his son as a sacrifice on the cross so that our unfavorable state might be destroyed and we could become friends of God and then receive this gift. It isn't something to be earned. It's freely given to anyone who believes into Christ. But then second, Jesus says we not only receive the spirit, but we will share the spirit. The spirit will be like Rivers of living water flowing, he says, out of the very heart and out of the very being of the person. He will come from us. Sometimes people wonder, what does it mean to be spirit filled? Well, some people say, well, you got to run around with your hair on fire for God. I don't know about that. You got to run around waving your hands or shouting a lot. Or maybe you need to seem like you're in some kind of trance or some kind of deep communion, peaceful communion with God. That's what it means to be spirit filled. Or some people think that, you know, to be spirit-filled means you live on a totally different and higher plane than the rest of us old, ordinary, run-of-the-mill Christians. Hey, the Holy Spirit can. He does move in powerful ways and in visibly astounding ways. But the Spirit is much more natural than is imagined. To be filled with the Spirit of God is, first of all, to have the fruit of the Spirit, which is to say love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. And it's to be able to give these things to others. The fruit of the Spirit. Fruit grows on trees to be given, to be shared. Trees don't grow fruit just to keep them for themselves. There's something to be given and enjoyed by other people. Spirit-filled people give the things of God to others. To be filled with Christ's Holy Spirit is to be a strength. It's to be a blessing to other people. To be spirit-filled is to have 
a sense of God's presence in our life. And that can be seen and heard and felt and experienced. It is to be unashamed and comfortable talking about God. Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, the whole overarching meaning of that day is that people are able to talk about God in various language and the great things that God has done to give verbalization to who God is. A spirit-filled person is not timid to speak about God at the appropriate time. It's like talking about our spouse or our children or our grandchildren. We're related to them. We share their spirit and that we're in the same family. And if someone wants to talk to us about them, we'd love to talk about them. It's the same with God. I'll talk about God. You want to talk about God? I love to talk about God. It's the spirit in me. It's the believer speaking of God. You see, the gift of the Holy Spirit is not just to be kept as a private possession. He causes God to flow out of us. Oswald Chambers has written, some of you have discovered it, you use it, a great daily devotional called My Utmost for His Highest. And he says that for those who have the gift of the Spirit, first of all, he paraphrases something, Jesus' words. He says, out of that person who has the Spirit will escape everything he receives. And then he says this, if we believe in Jesus, it is not what we gain, but what he pours through us that counts. It is not that God makes us beautifully rounded grapes, but that he squeezes the sweetness out of us. Spiritually, we cannot measure our life by success, but only what God pours through us, and we cannot measure that at all. The gift of the Spirit doesn't mean that we will never have a struggle in faith, that we'll just keep going from victory to victory, no challenges. No, we'll become a participant in the life of the Spirit because... For the Spirit to come, Christ must be glorified, and the glorification of Christ involved the cross. However, if the Spirit is like rivers flowing out of us, and the Greek word, by the way, is rivers, it's not streams. And I think that's a much stronger vision than just streams. It's rivers flowing out of us. Remember this, rivers are not stopped by obstacles. Rivers find ways around whatever gets in their way. Sometimes obstacles come in our lives and we think, boy, we're done for. We think, I'm not a very good Christian or I'm not of any use to God. Again, Oswald Chambers has some good advice for us here. He says, keep paying attention to the source and God will either take you around the obstacle or he'll remove it. The river of the Spirit of God removes all obstacles obstacles just keep at the source and Jesus Christ will take care of the rest can I let you in on something that I think about when I pray when I pray for this church particularly it's it's a visualization I have an image that often comes to my mind when I pray for this church and it is, I hope you don't think I'm weird. And uh, it's of a river flowing down the hallway, into the hallways of our church and into the gathering area and flowing right down the middle of the sanctuary and just kind of spreading out. And that river is the Spirit of God and people coming and, and drinking from that. Anybody, at all times of day, whenever people come to this place, Sunday mornings, during the week, at night, 
and people drinking from that and getting satisfaction uh, knowing and encountering Jesus Christ. And I ask when I pray that, that, that this would be a place where God would allow people to get drink, where they could drink of His grace and His love, long, satisfying drinks of His peace, and that they could always do that whenever they come here. And then we, as the people of this church, when we drink of the Spirit, we go now to our families and to our jobs and to our communities and to our workplaces and to our homes, and we give drink to others out of the fullness that we've received when we drink here. Does it seem strange to you? I don't know. I have that vision when I pray that that, that, that river, the river of the Spirit would just come right through here. Remember the giving of the Spirit is Jesus' invitation. And He graciously invites any who want to drink from this fountain to come and to do so without cost. An invitation can be in. Uh, accepted or it can be rejected. We accept this invitation, though, by believing in Him. What are you thirsty for? I mean, really, what are you thirsty for? We as human beings are created by God. We're created for God. We've turned away from God. We've tried to find ultimate satisfaction in much lesser things. And we thirst for love. We thirst for purpose. We thirst for contentment. We thirst for security, for peace, and for hope. And that thirst can only be quenched through an intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ, given to us through the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is that river of water flowing to us and into us and out of us. I would like to leave us, before we end this worship, a time for reflection. I'm going to ask just the musicians to come back up and just begin playing quietly. So we can have a time, just reflection. You just reflect where you are upon your thirst for water, our thirst for water, what we long for, and the source. And where are we? How close are we? How far are we from the source of the living waters? Jesus Christ, who will give it to us. Just take a moment. Maybe look at that river that's up before us and just reflect on the waters, the living waters of the Spirit.